Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me over the airwaves in For Fox Sake HQ2 is Rob Hayes. First of all, hello Rob, how are you? Are you okay and all that? I am, thank you Pete. I'm surviving. Uh, I had my first week um, in my new job last week. I'm now responsible for 29 children. Uh, my brain hurts, but I have survived, and so have they, more importantly. I, I feel like a key part of my job is making sure I don't lose any during the day, and I haven't managed to do that yet either. So I'm well, thank you. I'm looking forward to spending an hour or so chinwagging about football. How are you? Yes, I'm, I'm fine. I'm great. And, and Leicester are good as well. They're... Uh on the back of a tremendous win against Bournemouth, which seems a long time ago with these international breaks, as you said, just off air. Um, it was a very good win against the team who we said... Oh, um, we're getting scarily good with our predictions, as a few people said on social media as well. Uh, 3-1, the results. Uh, Vardy scoring a couple of goals. Tremendous performance up top. Uh, Perez didn't get involved. So I will <laughs> put my hands in the air and say, OK, I got that one wrong. But then again, if the guy didn't get on the pitch, he didn't have a chance to score the goals. But it was a really good win against the team who allow you to play good football against them. But I was it was just a, a very entertaining game. And I thought Leicester were very good. It could have been more than three, which you say... More times than not when you win a game, but that's the case. Just an, a very open game, a very pleasing game on the eye, a good game for a number of players which will go through, but uh, an important win before a couple of uh, more difficult games on paper. Yeah, because when things click for Bournemouth, they, they really do click and they have the potential to beat pretty much anybody in, in the league. And the thing is, you, you've got to almost... M- stop them from believing that that can happen and I think that was the kind of performance that we saw from Leicester last weekend it was a performance where Leicester were thinking okay our style of football our brand of football is equally as attractive if not more attractive than yours but we're going to make sure that we're effective with it and Bournemouth didn't really create an awful lot of chances but I think that's because Leicester played every ball and every phase of play whether they had the ball or not um, in a real positive way um, and on the front foot throughout the game, and they didn't allow the fact that they got pegged back immediately to to ruin any momentum or to make them be a little bit more conservative. It was um, it was it was the kind of game that you probably would think a Leicester of old would have drawn one one or maybe gone into their shells a bit and potentially even lost it because Bournemouth tails could have been and should have been up after they equalised. Uh, yet Leicester kept their positivity kept playing in the way that Brendan Rodgers wants them to play and and we got the rewards for that and spearheaded by Jamie Vardy and we've spoken about how Rodgers has treated Vardy since he's come in Um, but that performance for me epitomised how much importance and faith Brendan Rodgers has put on Jamie Vardy two goals 
uh, and assist from doing what he does best and hairing down on on the defenders. Um, it was a complete performance from him, really, and and he spearheaded everything that was good about Leicester at the weekend. It was it was a, a pleasure to to enjoy, really. Yeah, it was it was peak Jamie Vardy in terms of his goals and assists. The first goal, a, a fantastic lob from a long ball. You, you you could almost say that was that was typical Leicester over the last few years. The long ball by. Chilwell over the top designed for Vardy to get on the end of and then lobbing the goalkeeper in a in a style and a skill and an awareness that only a top class A1 centre forward will have and Jamie Vardy is that man a tri- a brilliant brilliant goal fantastic awareness he he has that he has that in his locker which is a a term that a lot of people will say about all sorts of players but he he does have that skill it's not a skill that's used often in football but if you were to say a ball is in the air from 30 to 40 yards away from goal and the goalkeeper's out of his goal who's going to lob the goalkeeper Jamie Vardy he's done it so many times and then the second goal his basically his awareness in the penalty area, his sharpness that that spoke volumes of how sharp he is at the moment, how on the ball and tack sharp he is to just basically prod that into the back of the net. But also his assist, the fact that he ran down a player, he never got the cause, and eventually picked out a man in the sense in the center to score. A brilliant performance by Vardy, a fantastic win, uh, lots of highlights. Throughout the side, before we move on to looking forward to Manchester United and discussing what happened during the international break, we'll, we'll just we'll just go back to this game for another few minutes. Now, now I was there and uh, I was in a, a very relaxed state and a relaxed manner because we were uh, basically teaching commentators how to commentate on games. Uh, we had a number of newbies down at the. King Power, who were experienced in commentating for the first time. So it wasn't a live broadcast. So whatever was said was not broadcast live. Uh, but we had a number of people there doing this, and it was great. So you could stop during the game and talk about bits and bobs that were wrong or what was right, etc. But it was all very nice and relaxed. But it meant that you could enjoy the game an awful lot more than you would do if you were actually working hard and, and broadcasting live which was great for this game because it was so exciting and, and open and entertaining and there were so many um, plus points that came out of the game. And uh, and it, it made you appreciate some of the performances as well. And the first one I'll mention is a person I presume that this podcast would actually mention a few times is James Madison. I think that was his best performance in the Leicester shirts. Granted, there could have been one or two last season, but for me, just now, it was the all-round ability of Madison. He he did everything that we've mentioned, especially myself, over the last probably six months or so. Everything that I wanted him to work on, that he showed in the second half performance, especially at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea, he did at home against Bournemouth. He showed himself to the ball. He accepted the ball. He turned his man. He released the ball in a safe manner when it was needed. He set up play. His flair was there. His dead balls were very good. But also, he looked 
and people say half a yard uh, sharper, half a yard quicker. No, a full yard for me. He looked very quick and agile over five yards, which with the number 10 you would expect. But James Madison, I'd say maybe doesn't quite have that. He did. And I was massively impressed by Madison. A lot of people said, oh, he had a good game, but he he's done things in other games that maybe have been better. Yes, he maybe have scored a free kick against whoever. He maybe have threaded the through ball against another team. But in terms of a full performance, I think it was it was very impressive and it was just what we need and it was just what he needs to do. And it it for me it was it was great. He came on the back of a England call up, so he was obviously full of confidence through that and through how Leicester had been playing, but I was really, really impressed with Madison against Bournemouth. Yeah, me too. It's a performance that that we we really wanted to believe was coming. It was one of them, you're never 100% sure. You can't sit here and say it was a performance that was coming, but it's a performance that we kind of talked up. Like you say, not just in the short term, but over a slightly longer term as well. It, it kind of reminds me of, of the similar sort of conversations that you and I had a um, a good few years ago about a certain player called Riyad Mahrez who we discussed he, the fact that he had technical ability but the fact that he could go missing in games for long periods of time and certainly when he came to us in the championship the physicality of the English game was a real, real difference for him uh, and one of the big things that we noticed last season with James Madison was a lot of the time he was only making 60 minutes of a game because he just couldn't seemingly couldn't cope with the physicality and the intensity of the Premier League and that leads naturally as soon as you get more tired the less likely you are to go and show for the ball the less likely you are to be neat and tidy with the ball so it's clear like you said Pete it's not just a a small margin there it's a huge physical difference with him he's uh, he's a bit more explosive he's he's quicker over a shorter distance as well as being stronger on the ball and I think that increased physicality. I don't think the technicality and the mentality has ever really been in question with someone like James Madison. We know what he can do with the football. And it's quite clear from any interviews that you see with him and, and just a sort of measure of him as a person that he truly believes in the ability that he has. So the physicality is a, is a big, big difference because once, it, once he turns away from a player, he can actually get away from them how often do you see sort of players on a Sunday morning think that they're really really good because they've got a Cruyff term but they turn away from the man and then they've got nothing to carry on with so they end up turning back into trouble Madison's now got the turn and the explosion away from that and that allows him to to carry Leicester's attacks in, in a more potent and and pacey way really um, and all like you say all the things that we've talked about on this podcast to do with him all clicked against Bournemouth and I think I guess the next challenge nothing like setting the bar nice and high the next challenge is to see him doing it more often than not is to see him doing it for most of the game most of the time I'm not asking for it all game every game but you know you want him him to be positively affecting large portions of of uh, a large percentage of games and I think that's where he's definitely got the potential to go, and that was noticed by the fact that he was obviously called up to England. But yeah, really impressed with... Vardy's obviously the headline man because two goals and an assist, but very impressed with James Madison. And, and like you say, Pete, it's 
in terms of a complete performance, his best in a blue shirt. It really was. And I will now put that tick in the box for Madison in terms of can he do it? Yes, he can. We've seen that now over, yes, half a game against Chelsea in this full game. But also, it was a good performance against Sheffield United. I, I think he's made that step up to a level that we hoped he would do. And I'm now fully on board and I'm delighted. Fingers crossed it continues. In terms of headline performers that day, if you go through the team, uh, there was many standout performers. Vardy, I think we we won't mention really for the rest because it was just a good performance, but we know, we, we know. Everyone listening to this, we know, don't we? We know. So we'll put Vardy to one side and uh, and we'll talk about that again. I, I spoke to at length actually um, in the week on another podcast um, elsewhere in the world of football regarding Vardy, and oh dear me, um, got emotional and all sorts. But uh, there we go. So we'll put Vardy to one side. Uh, Soyuncu. Now he stood up for the goal. He in terms of stepping out of defence to try and play offside. He wasn't quite in line. Now whether they meant to play offside or whatever. Okay, they scored straight away after these things happen. A good finish, but apart from that, er- well, possible error, he was faultless, absolutely faultless. But also, he's playing alongside, well, against two quite physical centre forwards, Wilson King, and then they brought Salanki on quite early in the second half. So they had essentially three out and out number nine centre forwards on the field. And he was absolutely pitch perfect. Not one error from what I could tell. And in terms of challenges, shoulder to shoulder, physicality, just just top draw. Top draw. And very impressive with the cool head of Evans alongside him. Great, fantastic. Um, in midfield, I thought um, MDD played well. And then as we go forward, Barnes, it wasn't quite his game. Uh, Chilwell, for me, noticeably uh, was slightly off the boil, but also didn't quite as get forward as much as he has been recently. I think that was more of a tactic thing with maybe just hanging back because he had such a out-and-out winger in front of him as Barnes. On the other side, uh, Ricardo getting forward, as he likes to do. Um, and uh, and then you look at Damari Gray, who came on. When he came on... Again, we know what happened before in terms of Rogers um, basically making a statement in public saying the guy needs to work harder. He needs to just show more to be part of this squad. And I and then follows it up with, I but I believe he has the talents and fingers crossed he can you know come into the team and do it. He turned up off the bench and looked rapid, sharp, really really willing, running all over the place. But, and I know lots of people think, well, maybe that's what a professional footballer should do when you come off the bench, and you are correct. There was there were two opportunities for him. Um, there was one where the whole King Power crowd were screaming for him to, to square the ball earlier. He, there was one opportunity, I think. There was, I think lots of people said there was 10 or 12 opportunities as he was running to the right side of the goal where he could have squared it. Actually, if you look back, there was one key point in time where he could have squared the ball he didn't but he delayed and then squared the ball for Madison who got his shot off completely fine in an open position where he would have been originally 
uh, and it was a really good block by the defender. And then the second was he had a one-on-one where he, he just looked short of confidence and short of kind of match sharpness and he he's never I don't think he is an actual finisher and it was saved by the goalkeeper should have scored but apart from that a very encouraging uh, substitute appearance by by Demari Gray uh, which really capped off the day in a way because at the time we were winning and you bring him on and everyone's knows what Rogers has said about him and here's Gray for the first time and it was very it was very very pleasing and uh, and it, and, it, and it really just it, it it highlighted what a what a nice performance and a great day it was. Yeah, it's exactly the response that we wanted from Damari Gray, that all Leicester fans would have wanted from Damari Gray. And I guess the response that Brendan Rodgers either knew was in him or really hoped was in him, because to have a, a winger that is so willing to be so direct, and I think he needs that rocket up his backside sometimes to force him to be so, um, to have that kind of player to to come on in games is is really refreshing it's good to have that strength in the squad and I, and I hope that the same thing happens to someone like Kalechi Iheanacho who's not been in the matchday squad for the last couple of games it's the right response from Demarigo we talked about the response that Christian Fuchs had when he'd not been included in one of the early matchday squads and then uh, called up to deputise for Chilwell who had that minor hip injury uh, and Fuchs is obviously the consummate professional very experienced just, just a superb pro and there was never any doubt that he'd come in and perform to to his highest level. But it's nice to see that Gray has taken that kind of precedent and followed it up, really. Um, agree with the other comments about the other players. I think Chagla Soyuncu is, is rapidly becoming one of the fans' favourite players. I think it was a cult thing at first. It was kind of because he looks a bit quirky. He doesn't really look like a footballer. Nobody really knew who he was. He's kind of been not thrown into the first team, but but graduated maybe a little bit quicker than, than many of us would have expected. But now he's actually getting the plaudits for being an excellent, excellent footballer. Um, I saw a tweet which made me laugh a couple of weeks ago, actually, I think it was, that um, Leicester City sold Harry Maguire, sold their, arguably, in inverted commas, according to most of the national press, best defender for £85 million, yet somehow improved their defence. And I thought that was quite a funny tweet. I, I enjoyed that one because on early form, Soyuncu's actually got more about him than Harry Maguire. He's really good on the ball, Soyuncu, but he's absolutely rapid. He's much more explosive and less clumsy looking than Harry Maguire. And like you say, Pete, I mean, if, you, if you're overanalyzing, you're analysing things in real detail there, he was potentially at fault for the Bournemouth goal. But the level of performance that he's produced at the start of this season is 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 a positive surprise for me because i i was sort of in the camp that that losing maguire would weaken us as i think most people were in some respects but i i didn't know at the time whether soonju would be capable of performing at this level um at his personal level but at this level in terms of the premier league and so far, he's proved everybody wrong and he, he's been noticed by not just Leicester fans for putting in great performances, but across the board as well. I was just recapping what had happened in the last game before we came onto the podcast um, and he got the most tackles and the most passes in the game, which obviously centre-backs see a lot of the ball, but you know, to be sort of topping the stat charts like that, it, it just looks like he really enjoys being there as well. And I think that's a, that's something to be said for the whole Leicester 
Leicester camp really because he's coming in. He's the only Turkish player in the squad. He came. I don't think he's got any former sort of playing time with any of the players at Leicester. He came in for quite a wedge of money. He didn't get in the first team for quite a long while and he was only a backup. Yet he's still very much a part of the of the group and you can sort of sense that he feels that. Um, and it's it's contributing to us having an extremely talented young player on our hands. Yes, and that's really how we sum up the game against uh, Bournemouth and we'll move on to looking forward to Manchester United away on Saturday. And uh, we'll just touch on uh, Perez and, um, and, and and Dennis Pratt weren't in the side. They weren't really involved at all. I've got no problems at all. The team won and they played in midweek, etc. I think we'll kind of just leave that as it, as it is and, and let that develop as, as the team news and performances come on. Um, international football. So up to the England squad, Chilwell and Madison. Great. Madison gets called up. Um, it's not going to be a rant, so <laughs> let's just hold on. But this is social media corner. So social media corner starting early. Normally we do this later on. There's been quite an, a reaction to Madison not playing, especially against Kosovo, mainly at the expense of, say, Ross Barkley. Now, I am not the biggest fan of Ross Barkley. I think he's a talented player, but I think he's very limited in his ability and he's very uh he's not a secure midfielder if you're asking him to get back or to keep the ball I think he's probably a number 10 but in the system that they played maybe he was slightly dropping back further you know he's not quite that player but he played and uh and Mason Mount was the guy who came on uh for England in in the game against Kosovo. What a crazy game and slightly more on that in a minute. But social media corner, there was a huge reaction from, from fans saying, why wasn't Madison involved, etc. Now, personally, I've not got a problem with Madison not being on the field or not coming off the bench or not being not, not being a starting uh, lineup for England because it will naturally come. And, you know, let's just hold our hands up and go... At the time, England didn't make a sub for a long time against Kosovo because of the way the crazy game was going. But there's people comparing stats on Madison and Mounts and this that and the other. I think Mounts a good player, but come on, you know, let let's just hang on a second here and let's not throw the toys at the pram. There was a lot of big club bias mentioned. Well, hang on, we've had Maguire playing for Leicester and Chilwell playing for. Uh, for Leicester and for England, both at the same time for a long time. We've had Vardy playing. Maybe we should have played more, yes, true. But I, I, you can't buy that, really. And, um, and yeah, uh, for me, watching last night the game against Kosovo, enjoying it, but also following it on social media quite heavily as well. And I, I just think there was just slightly overreact- overreaction for for people really wanting Madison to come on. It was disappointing to think, come on, but come on, let's 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 not quite go on a, a massive witch hunt about Southgate being a top six biased manager and about their, him being the same as Hodgson and on this huge kind of anti Leicester thing. Come on, let, I I just think that's a, a an overreaction. And a few journalists as well, a few noted Leicester journalists 
almost carried on really that kind of momentum with Madison and the anti. And I, I thought it was a bit overblown for me. I thought your rant was going to be about James Madison not getting game time for England. I'm quite surprised. Um, no, I, I, I don't think, I don't feel as strongly. Um, I, don't, I don't think the, the top six club bias is 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 a, a conversation to be had. I don't think that's that's what was at, at, at play here. Um, let's remember that Madison and um, Mount have both sort of come through the England youth teams, uh, of which Gareth Southgate was a, a big part. Um, so he knows both players. He has done his homework on both players. Nobody gets in Gareth Southgate's England squad without him or his team having watched them extensively over a long period of time. It's not just that he's playing well this week, we'll go and watch him. Um, and I think from from the way I, I would have looked at it, I was disappointed, obviously, that Mount came on in both games and Madison didn't. I think if England had been in total control of the game against Kosovo and were enjoying sustained periods of possession, that would have been the perfect game to give James Madison his England debut. And we, and we may have seen that. The, the problem was with the game was that England were having to to cope with surges forward from a technically decent Kosovo side. That Overall, in terms of their ability, they're nowhere near where we should be competing on the international stage. But that's not a conversation for this podcast. That's a conversation for another whinge about England another time. Um, but in terms of technicality, they were pretty good and they shifted the ball pretty quickly. Now, from what I've seen of Mason Mount, he covers ground a bit better than James Madison, regardless of what we've just said about Madison's improved physicality. Uh, and Mount, I would also consider to be a more flexible footballer. I don't think James Madison offers an awful lot to, to many teams unless he's playing in the number 10 role. He's played... Um, wider for Leicester this season and and being less effective whereas Mount can sort of do more of a let's liken him to a Leicester player like Harvey Barnes role and get up and down a wing as well so when England were trying to cope with what Kosovo were were turning the game into Mount for me was was a more sensible choice than James Madison and and I would like to believe and I do really believe that that is all there was to it. Mount was a more suitable player to bring on at that time. Madison, if he keeps performing at the level that he's that he reached in the Bournemouth game, then there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that there will be a time when he is a, a, an important part of an England squad. But you've got to remember also, Barkley, like you say, Pete, was being asked to do some tracking back as part of a midfield three and wasn't really doing it and was actually called out for... for I think Southgate said overall uh, men weren't being tracked, but I think Barkley was guiltier than most for that. So England's 4-3-3 system doesn't necessarily support having an out-and-out number 10. So that makes things difficult for James Madison. That is, I mean, that is just how it is at the moment. But if Madison keeps performing, then... And, he has to find a way to force Southgate to play him. And the only way to do that is to come back to Leicester, um, go to Old Trafford on Saturday and and put in an absolute stormer of a performance. Just a quick one on Chilwell. I, I think he's been slated a bit by, uh, mainly by non-Leicester fans. He look, Not many England players had defensively, let's say, at least had a great day um, yesterday against Kosovo. And Chilwell spooned a couple of crosses as well which he's prone to doing for Leicester um, I like Clive Tildesley's comment though he said um, that Danny Rose would probably shoot him for this but 
um, Ben Chilwell is probably England's number one choice left back at the moment. And I think that's true. And I think that's because Chilwell has managed to sustain a high level of performance for Leicester over a long period of time. James Madison will look at his mate Chilwell, think, right, that's what I've got to do to keep my my nose in the England squad and, and knock on the door for a start. And I think he's uh, a player with the right mentality to do that. I think Ben Chilwell is definitely England's first choice uh, uh, left back by far. And um, and I, I'll agree with you on, on the Madison. It's one or the other. Mount came on against Bulgaria and because of the situation I mean you got to remember Kosovo scored those two very quick goals in the start of the second half if they didn't I'm sure he would have come on but it didn't happen um just uh, the final thing really with England and my biggest takeout is what I tweeted on at FFS pod on Twitter I'm watching that game and Declan Rice is our defensive midfielder who by all accounts is a half decent player but you don't quite see that on highlights of West Ham and he seems to be okay. But I looked at that side and went, there is a huge Hamza Chowdhury gap in that England side. They have not got that anchor in midfield, which they needed to screen the defence in that second half, especially, and in fact, the first half, you'll say, against Kosovo. And I was watching that going, they need a what we have in Wilfred Ndidi and Hamza Chowdhury, but obviously Chowdhury being English, he's the guy, really, that England need. Now, at the start of the season, he was 25-1 to 1 to be part of the Euro 2020 squad. I, I thought it was a tremendous bet and got, kind of got involved. But it's it, it just showed you that they're missing the anchor in midfield that they haven't had for a long time. I don't understand why they didn't drop foot players further back, put Henderson further back, but whatever. Chowdhury, surely, if he continues his development at Leicester, plays and eventually gets caught up in the England squad and then plays, he has to be really in with a shout in what England have at the moment. Or should I say, what England don't have at the moment. And that's an anchor in midfield. So that's something maybe for the future. But that was my take out to the game. Not the, not the Madison thing. That didn't really register for me. It was a shame it didn't come on. But it was, it was come on, Chowdhury, he's got a... A chance here really has of uh, of getting in the side and and being a first teamer. But there we go. That's that's England. I don't know what you what what thoughts you had or whether you you thought Chowdhury at the time. It wasn't my first go to thought, but it's a, a reasoned argument from yourself. And and I'd say the same about Chowdhury as I've said about Madison. The thing he can do is just keep performing for Leicester whenever whenever he gets the opportunity and show that he belongs at Premier League level. Uh, I agree, looking at the England midfielders, that, that, that there isn't a player like Chowdhury in there. Declan Rice does typically do a decent job of breaking up the play for West Ham, but I, I didn't think he was very good last night, to be perfectly honest with you. And I think Chowdhury would add a lot more bite to that midfield. But look, let's not get carried away. He's, he's featured sort of sporadically for us last season, and he, he's very much in the first-team picture this season. Um, and, yeah, 25-1 to 1 for him to be in the Euro 2020 squad's not... Not bad money at all, but it'd be nice to see. Um, but he's got a certain lanky Nigerian to kind of displace in the team first, and that won't be easy because I think indeed he's excellent. But yeah, Chowdhury wasn't my first thought, but I can see where you're coming from, uh, and we'll watch this space on that one. On to the weekend, because this weekend, guess what? 
we are playing away at Manchester United. At Old Trafford, who... Easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and they have a defender called Harry Maguire, which is going to be taking a lot of the, the column inches and the spaces and the press and most people's uh, viewpoints. Now, I am massively confident that we are going to go to Old Trafford and win. I'm just going to put that out straight away. Regardless of the predictions later on in the in the episode at the end, you know where I'm going to come from on the on the uh, on the prediction front. But I'm just going to let you know now, Rob, that I think we are going to go and win. Because I think our midfield is by far better than theirs. I think the way we're playing with Vardy up top and the added incentive of playing against Maguire will be something really to behold and it's a shame it's not live but there you go I just fancy Leicester to go there and and get three points I, I it sounds it doesn't sound crazy but to normally when you go to places like Old Trafford or to um, the so-called big six you go you know we can go there and get a point no 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 I'll put your point away go there and win three points for Leicester yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's the most confident I've ever been of getting three points away at a top six side. Uh, I think you're right. Jamie Vardy will want to absolutely torment Harry Maguire and he will be properly, properly up for it. And the thing is, Vardy and Maguire will have come up against each other in training an awful lot of times. Maguire's got one one thing lacking in his game, really, and that's pace. And Jamie Vardy's all about pace. I, I, I am very, very excited to to see Vardy try and really, really worry Harry Maguire. I genuinely think Harry Maguire will have a lot of belief in his own ability, but I think he'll be frightened to face somebody like Jamie Vardy, especially with the added needle of him only just having left Leicester. But yeah, I completely agree. We are very much in a position where we can we can and, and should be thinking that we can go to Old Trafford to pick up three points. And, and I think overall in the bigger picture based obviously on early form, that Manchester United are the team that we could replace in the top six very, very feasibly. And that starts with us beating them on Saturday. It does. And uh, I don't know whether anyone else out there was the same as me, but when Sheffield United's equaliser went in at Chelsea, or the result came through, you thought, oh, that's two points advantage to us. And then United dropping points as well. It, it, it basically, even at this very early stage, you are looking to those results going, this, these are the teams that we're playing against. If we're picking up three points at home, and granted in a, a fairly reasonable, easy game, if you would equate that in Premier League standards against a struggling Bournemouth side too. But then again, you're playing at home against Sheffield United for Chelsea. So these things all add up and I, it's just not for me. Clicked at Manchester United, I think they're going on the right direction. If you were looking at the overall squad and the way they're playing... I think that they've bought the right players, including Maguire, and, and, and they've slowly started to go in the right way. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take another few years. I don't think the manager will be there at all at the end of the season. But you can roughly see the direction the club's going and look at the players that they've got rid of. But at this current time, I just see our midfield completely dominating. And maybe the front three behind Vardy 
I would say maybe drop back an extra 10 yards to get involved in that midfield to completely dominate Manchester United. Scott McTominay's done very well, but I don't think he's anywhere near the quality of anyone in our midfield. And away from him, you're struggling. Pogba is the biggest show pony in world football for my liking. Good player, don't get me wrong, on his day, very good player, but that's few and far between and, and occasionally he'll turn up for one or two highlights and that may be it. Okay, he's going to be a, he's going to have a fantastic game on Saturday. Now I've said that, so there we go. They've got a dangerous forward line, half decent keeper. They've got a good centre half who, you know, done well for the last couple of years at a club in the Midlands. But I can't see any reason why we can't go there and win. Fingers crossed. Vardy, he's he's got to be the the, the guy. We're doing predictions now. We're doing predictions now, Rob. Um, which we've been mustered at recently we've had tweets coming in saying where are the um the lottery numbers for this weekend etc i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 2-1 okay i i still think that they've got a goal in them and i'm gonna go to 2-1 vardy um yeah 2-1 vardy 2-1 vardy um that's gonna be my pick what about yourself I was going to say 2-1, so I'm going to say 2-0. I'm going to go on the positive side of things and I'm going to go for a James Madison top bins free kick. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, nice. Just to, just to prove everyone that he should have been playing for England. Prove me wrong. That sort of thing. That That's exact. That's what you've done. You've done to spite me, not for him to score the goal. He definitely listens to for Fox 8, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, just on the subject of Manchester United, I think... One of the things that really gives me the belief that we can go there and win is the fact that they don't seem to be able to stay in a game for 90 minutes. Similar problem to Chelsea. Just get themselves in good positions, but haven't yet got that know-how to see out the games. You know, Sir Alex Ferguson would have had a Manchester United player playing for 120 minutes at exactly the same level of intensity, whereas United seem at the minute to to be able to turn it on when they feel like it and then when they think they're cruising they're not really that bothered and that's so far from the Leicester mentality overall in terms of what we stand for as a club and a fan base but also what we stand for right now under Brendan Rodgers who's really captured that so I think we're just uh, yeah I think we've got a better and harder working midfield than them but I, I genuinely just think we'll we'll outwork them physically and mentally and that'll that'll get us the result. I do as well. I, I, I completely agree. We will have to weather the storm of that half an hour, keep your eye on Dan James, etc. But I can't see any reason why we can't go there and win. And that will stand us in good stead again for our continued top six assault. Um, and we'll go from there. So, uh, yeah, hopefully three points on Saturday for Leicester. Uh, now, to finish off, uh, we'll look and uh, I hate to I hate to bring this up. I really do. Um it's the top 10 of the Fancy Football League. Okay, so in at 10, dropping down considerably. He's only scored 47 points last week on 249. It's Gav Brown with his Saigon Foxes. In 9th on 252 points, Fox Blues, Damien Garcia. In 8th, there has to be some kind of uh, error in the system and the, there's a glitch in the matrix somewhere because with 253 points he scored 110 points last week 
it's somebody Get called Rob Hayes. I don't, I don't know what's happened. We'll we'll come on to that in a minute. In seventh, two hundred and fifty-five points. Champs five thousand to one. Ian Smith. In sixth place, it's Vardy Party. Jonathan Towers with five hundred uh, two hundred and fifty-seven. Two hundred and fifty-nine in fifth is uh, Steve Curtin for FC uh, Vladovic Barbers. Top four, we've got Pito City for Matthew Archer on 261, 262 points uh, for Daniel McCready for Rogers, uh, the Karen boy. And then the top two, we have 269 points, Joe Healy, Vardy Annuals, and then on 290 points, so a little bit of a gap developing, 21 points clear at the top, Alex Ekonomu, which I think I've got that completely wrong again, video killed the Saudio at the top of the standings. Just a word on Matthew Archer in fourth, 91 points, Daniel McCready in third, 86 points. Um, if we go down to myself, I got 79 points. I'm in 24th place. Super Frank Sinclair for myself. So I'm in 24th. Now, Rob, let's just go into this then. Okay, let's have a look at your side. Uh, you had Vardy. We know what he did. Firmino. Uh, you had De Bruyne as your captain. Uh, Tielemans, who scored. Uh, just when Tielemans played very well. Second half. Back to his best, really. Second half uh, against Bournemouth. I thought he was very good. Mane, uh, Pereira, Edison, must have kept, you know, yeah. so 110 points um, in, you know, congratulations and everything, but where the bloody hell did that come from? Well, didn't I say on the last podcast that it was my lifelong dreams a little bit strong, I, I don't, I don't like fantasy football that much but it was just it was just a personal goal of mine to get my name read out at least once on your little top 10 countdown and I knew that the longer it went into the season and the worse I got the the bigger the gap would get to the top 10 um so I got a little bit brave and I went triple captain Kevin De Bruyne and it worked out relatively well for me seeing as I scored the highest number of points in the game week out of everybody in the for fuck's sake league ha and I'm in the top 10. I'll probably not stay there. It's highly unlikely. I think 110 is best, the best um, points tally I've ever got in a week. Um, but I was absolutely delighted with it because I knew. I was just watching all weekend. I was watching to make sure I stayed in that top 10. And there I am, folks. I've made it. I can almost retire now with my head held high. Yeah, I sadly lacked with uh, Harry Kane as my captain when they lost against Newcastle. I very nearly triple captained them as well. That would have been terrible. Um, yeah, further down are some terrible efforts. So uh, My sister, my dad, awful. But they forgot to change their team. What, what, what are you doing all week? You've got plenty of time. Come on. Um, and there's a two-week international gap we've had. So there's there should have been lots of players uh, changing their size, lots of people getting involved. Uh, so to get in the top 10, 249 points currently in 10th place. Uh, Saigon Fox's Gav Brown. So I'm not far off. I am not far off at all. Looking in here with my rough maths, I am 19 points off the top 10. And I'm in 24. So all to play for. That's for the, for fuck's sake, Fancy Football League for this week. So, yeah, I, I will I will catch you up. Don't worry about that. I'm still very confident. Very confident of finishing solidly in the top 10. Maybe not winning because I think there's a few experts on the on the league there, but uh, I, I'm confident about a top ten finish. So we've mentioned 
the game against Manchester United, our predictions. Uh, we've covered the England game and last time out against Bournemouth. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, make sure you follow us on For Fox Sake at FFS Pod on Twitter. Type in For Fox Sake on Facebook. If you've got Facebook, then make sure you follow us on there. Again, just give us a like and it means that you come up with all the uh, bits and mobs we put on there. Generally, the latest episodes. Uh, I've not yet quite got it sorted in terms of getting for Fox sake on Spotify. I know a number of people listen to podcasts on Spotify. At the moment, Apple Podcasts, what used to be called iTunes, is the best way along with SoundCloud as well. Uh, and that's about it, Rob. 